start with a nice word on Parshas Vayechi. In the Bechaz Yankov, we find Zvilun Choyf Yama Mishkoin, and after that Yisrochah Chamoi Gurem. So Rashi says that Zvilun was Oisik Be Parkamatia. Imam Tzimuz and Shavik Yisrochah. Zvilun was doing the work, uh, making money, and he was he was um, funding the learning of Shavik Yisrochah. I'm Oisik Matoira. That's what Moshe Rabbein said. Smaich Zvilun Betasechah Yisrochah Boyleichu. That that Zvilun would go out to make the money, and Yisrochah was sitting home and learning. And this is the idea of the Bekant. Uh, um, you know, the well-known Yisrochah Zvilun Shitfis, where people uh, make some kind of partnership, right? I'll do the learning, you'll do the funding, and somebody's working to make money and someone else is learning on it, and then, you know, they're sharing the schar of the learning, which is beautiful. The Chdishirim says something very interesting, and that is that you don't necessarily have to have a partner for that. You don't have, you don't have to be the Yisrochah or the Zvilun. You don't have to be one or the other, you can be both. If a person goes to work to earn money, to be able to sit and learn, and then he's basically funding himself, he's providing for himself to be able to learn. So what he's doing is he's elevating whatever it is that he's putting into his livelihood by making it a shitfus with what he's doing for Hashem and his, his Torah learning. And basically, instead of having to have a partner to split the schar, which I know the post can talk about, you're not really splitting anything, you're both getting the whole thing, but you could just do the whole thing on your own. You could be a soscha and a zvil and make sure that whatever you're doing, um, you know, in terms of, of gashmi, is definitely very well connected with your own with your own y- y- Yisoschar. And he says, that's what the mission tells us. The mission says that Torah im derecheretz is the way to go. Right? You're having Torah and you're having derecheretz. You're having a Yisoschar part. You're not neglecting the part of limited Torah and kvistit in the Torah and, and Torah mitzvahs and masam Torah. And at the same time, you're, you're funding it and you're doing it in the right way, you know. So I think that's that's something that we could all uh, try to connect the dots and make the Gashmis and the Rachnis more connected. And one lesson that we can learn from this is that in general, life is full of trying to resolve contradictions. There's so many things in life that are seemingly contradictory, right? Even just in the simple of it's Hashem, the simple uh, life of Eid, all the spirituality and all the benudin lamokam, all the serving Hashem versus all the materialism, all the gashmias and all the taking care of your own needs could, could look like a, com- a contradiction and sometimes is a contradiction especially if you're doing it just because you're trying to help yourself and please yourself and, and make yourself comfortable, then you're not having in mind Hashem. So you're basically just, you're living a, a double life. You know, Here you are making believe that you only want Hashem, and here you are doing your own thing. And that's something that uh, the Tani talks about, it, You know, seeing people living a double life. So one of the ways to understand it, like he's saying, is that if you try to connect it and make sure it's not a contradiction, you don't have to give up on one or the other. And that's what people sometimes get black and white um, with a splitting perception of it's either or. I'm either serving Hashem or I'm serving myself. And because I see myself not doing either one completely, I have to choose. And to only serve Hashem is very hard because then you're not living properly. So what happens? People fall away and say, you know, I'm anyway not doing it right. Um, but this is a mistake people make very often. And when it comes to relationships as well, uh, people do this very often. Sometimes it's just a challenge between two, two different relationships. I want to be in a relationship with two different people. And it's either or. How can I, I do both? So if I want to be loyal to my spouse, I want to be loyal to my parents, I want to be loyal to somebody I'm close with, then I'll have to give up on everything else because it's a contradiction. That's not, that's not right. It should never be that way. And if anyone's trying to make you feel like you're having a relationship with someone else is contradictory to having a relationship with them, that's a very big problem. And I've seen it many times. I've seen many, many times, many situations that people come to me about and talk to me about, about, um, you know, to save my marriage, I had to sever all ties with my parents or all ties with my family. Now, I know that there are extreme situations 
very, very rare, very rare extreme situations where somebody doesn't have a choice and they have to sever ties with other people, regardless of, its, of if it's to save a marriage or anything, because the people are very toxic and, and, and it's not possible to get along with them. But I'm saying again, it's very, very rare. So many situations, and just now I saw somebody who was writing something about this, um, an article about uh, you have to understand that your children might feel they can't have connection with you. This is definitely overdone and something that people take to the next level. Um, I was abused and I was traumatized, and I talk about this a lot. You, know, you could come up with a whole list of reasons why you can't have a, a relationship with someone without realizing that big, big, big part of this is all about you. It's because you don't know how to handle someone else and not because someone else is necessarily um, actively and consistently abusing you to, to a level where it's dangerous to be near them. But anyway, that was my point. Um, what I'm trying to bring out is that different things that look contradictory could really go along. And if they look like they can't get along, there's something wrong over there and you have to figure out what it is. Why can't it go along? Why can't I have a relationship with you and that person? What was the problem? Is that enough room for both? Even a bigger problem is when it becomes either me or you. In other words, I want to have a relationship with you, but I also want to have a relationship with myself. Am I allowed to? Am I allowed to care about myself? Am I allowed to have my opinion and my feelings and my, and my thinking patterns and my mindset? Is that not okay? And very often, um, people that don't know the dynamics of a relationship, who don't know how to make relationships work, they fall into that thing of, well, if you would love me and care for me, then you wouldn't um, do that. Why not? How, how did you come up with that, with that equation? Again, uh, I see you're drinking the soda. I think the soda is unhealthy. If you would care about me, you wouldn't drink it. Who said? What do you mean? But if you care about me, so I drink it. You don't care about how I feel? And the answer that some people don't even realize very often, because you hear so many times, is I care very much about how you feel. And I actually wish that you would feel good seeing, that, seeing me do what I'm doing. But the reason I'm doing it is not because I don't care how you feel. It's because I also, also care about how I feel. Is that okay? And that's where it becomes a contradiction. It's, it's either you or me. And, and if, it's, if it's not all me, then it's a problem. No, it could be you and me. And this place for you and this place for me. And that's, where, that's the idea that I also talk about often. I write in my book about understanding boundaries, understanding which part of a relationship still belongs to me. Where do I remain an individual? Where are we connected? How could it go hand in hand? How can we both understand that there's still a place for both of us to feel welcome and comfortable while we do interact and do care about each other? And this is a very important thing. So I think that one thing we can learn from figuring out how to be the Yisachar and Zavillon at the same time, knowing how to um, be working for Panusa and be learning and make sure it's not a contradiction and actually one helping the other, you know, they, could, they could coincide. And Hashem teaches us that many things in this world coincide in a healthy way, when done correctly. And one of those things is how I could be an individual and be in a relationship at the same time. So, with that said, let me read a question. Hi, Rabbi Gruen, I have this misunderstanding with my wife that I can't think of a better person to ask but you. Okay, thank you for the compliment. This situation keeps on coming up in different shapes and forms. I'll just relay the latest so that you can get the idea. We wanted to travel together for family simcha, something that we don't often have the ability to do, and we have family overseas. And the only way that we felt we could make it work was if we get babysitting for our children. And the only option that seemed to be an option was to have my unmarried aunt move in for a few days. The problem is that she has a full-time job and it would be hard for her. It happens to be that I know her boss from where I daven. And I reached out to him and I asked him if he, if he would be okay with that. And he said he has to think about it and he will get back to me. I followed with him once or twice, but for the meantime he ignored my messages. Now here comes a difference in opinion. I think that it would be rude for me to follow again, now on the same day, because he already ignored me, and I wouldn't want someone else to do it to me. My wife, however, feels that it's okay to ask again, being that the tickets to go to this, to this simcha are going to go up, 
And if we push this off even one more day to get an answer, we won't be able to book the tickets, and this is becoming a problem. Also, in the event, if it would be nagging, she thinks I should still do it, and if I don't, that shows that I care more about potentially putting pressure on another person than about her needs. And she believes that it's okay to put a bit of pressure on someone if you can, if you want to get an answer, especially if you have a good reason to. And in this case, with tickets becoming more expensive, it's a very good reason. I'm uncomfortable doing this. I think, in my opinion, I would be hurting them. I think that I care more about my wife than about this person, but in this situation, I think that I would hurt someone else, and I don't want to. My wife feels that it shows that I don't care about her needs as much as I care about the other person. Okay, so I have two questions. Is it called nagging if I ask again in the same day after he ignored me? And if it is called nagging, should I still do it so that I shouldn't hurt my wife by not doing it? If this is... Okay. Anyway, this keeps on coming up in many situations, causing a lot of pain, and I would appreciate to hear your thoughts about it. Now, I could um, just give you an answer about my thoughts if it's, you know, on your two questions, if it's nagging and if you should do it. But uh, it's obviously not what I do. It's not what I'm here for. And I think by now this family simcha probably happened a long time ago. You either went or you missed it. I don't know the end of the story. Maybe you'll share it with me after you hear this year. But let me just um, say this. It doesn't matter what I think. If I think it's called nagging, or I don't think it's called nagging, or I think you should or shouldn't do it, that, that's not the point. I, I want to I get a little um, broader than that. It's not going to get anyone anywhere to know that Rabbi Gruen thinks that it is called nagging. In other words, let's say I say, you're right. Um, it's called nagging, and, and you shouldn't nag. Or it's called nagging, and you shouldn't nag, or whatever it is. I don't think that my opinion, and, and, and in any case, finding out who's right and wrong is going to help anyone. And that's something that's it's, it's, it's very important um, to understand that. There's a difference of opinion, we disagree, you can now find whoever you want to say like you or like me, it won't make a difference, in most cases. In most cases, difference of opinions don't get resolved when somebody else also shares an opinion, in most cases. If it does, beautiful. In other words, if you both have a difference of opinion, you tackle one and know what's right or wrong, you're willing together to go and ask someone and find out what does that person say, just know if you have a mistake, because it's something you're not aware of, or acquainted enough about, or familiar with, that's beautiful. But in most cases, that's not the problem. In most cases, disagreements and difference of opinions come from emotional issues and from stuff like that. It's very probable that if this would be happening next door to your neighbor, and it wouldn't be a family simcha, and there wouldn't be an issue of um, money involved, or there wouldn't be an issue of anything else, it's very possible that both of you would have different opinions. You would think it's nishke feilich, or you ask someone, okay, it's not a big deal. She might think, no, it's not polite, and things like that. It's very possible. It's also very possible that if it would be the other way around, and it would be her friend that had to get the call from her, and you were the one nagging about it, that she would say it's impolite. So what I mean to say is, a lot of this just has to do with how you both feel about it. It doesn't matter anymore what's right or wrong. Um, so, But what I do want to say, not because you did ask my opinion, and I'm not saying it for you, because I, like I said, I don't think it's relevant to you anymore, but it's, this is a common situation. This happens often. So let me tell you what my opinion is. And this I'm saying for anyone who, who is interested in hearing it, and just getting a little, I don't want to say smarter, because who said knowing my opinion makes you smarter, but let me just tell you what I think. I happen to think that this is called nagging, you called someone twice, they ignored your calls for whatever reason. Calling them another time is nagging. And I don't think you have to call them. But more importantly, the reason why I think that you don't have to call this person if you think it's called nagging is not because it's nagging or not nagging. I'm okay knowing that everyone out there will say, no, you're wrong, it's okay to call people three times, maybe his ringer was off, he was in the middle of davening, and maybe if you don't call him again, he'll miss the call. It doesn't, it's irrelevant. The fact that you feel that it's nagging, the fact that you have an opinion, and the fact that you're entitled to have one, and the fact that there are different ways of looking at a situation, that alone is reason for you to say, I don't feel comfortable calling. So my opinion, is, my, I'm not here to impose my opinion about who's right and wrong in the debate, as much as I want to 
help you both understand that it's okay for you to feel differently, and it's okay for each person to feel comfortable doing that which he feels is right or wrong. I, I think I think this is so important. It starts with being okay with disagreements, something we talk about often. It's okay if I see something different than you. It's okay if I don't get so intimidated where I have to do things the way you want. It's also okay. And this is where the common manipulation comes in. And again, I don't feel comfortable saying all this because the questioner um, asked the question and I'm basically telling him he's right and he shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't uh, do his wife wants him to. And I don't like that. I, I try to promote um, shulam bias and help people understand each other. But but I do think this is an important topic for everyone to hear. It's so common this this manipulation of if you would care for me, you would do this. The kids do it to parents often. Right? And we all know that when a kid does it, it doesn't make any sense, because of course I care for my kids, of course I love my kids, he doesn't realize that it's for his benefit. It's irrelevant. When you say this to another person, if you'd care for me, you would, that's, that's manipulating the person into either deciding to agree and to admit that they don't care for you, or to now go do what you want, because it's either or. Who decided that? I, I could tell anyone out there that if you really care for me, then you would do X, Y, Z, and you have to now go along with that. How does that work? Who said Maybe I care for you, and I still have my own thoughts about something. And, and very often it comes to uh, you know, proving how much the other person doesn't love you, doesn't care for you, and it's so wrong, it, it, it distorts the whole relationship. It turns everything that person does do for you into nothing. All the other parts, all the other places where somebody proved to you, or proves to you, or doesn't even do it to prove it, but just shows how much they do care for you or love you, all of a sudden becomes nullified and um, deleted because just now you proved yourself. This is your true colors. You know, now it came out. When you didn't do what I want, now it came out. And it, it's, it's so ridiculous. And especially when, when it's used very often in the context of, oh, so you care more about that person? It's nothing about that person. It's about me. Now, sometimes people aren't vulnerable enough to admit that. I don't feel comfortable being a nag. I don't feel comfortable being an idiot who's calling someone again and again. I, he might look at me like I'm crazy. Oh, but, but what do you care about how he feels? And again, slow. It's not about him. It's about me. And this is, and, and that's aside from the fact that even if I even if I was just doing it because I don't want to make him crazy, I'm entitled to feel again it's me and my feeling and my opinion that that's the wrong thing to do. So the fact that I care more about you than and less about him is not what's going to make me do something that I feel is wrong, and certainly not something that's going to make me feel stupid and and, and put down. And it's very wrong for somebody to um, use it against someone. The fact that they, that you have a disagreement, I, I just think is very important. Now, what's more important, and this I'm saying for the people who. Um, both do this to someone else and tell them, well, if you really care, then I think it's wrong. It's also that if somebody tells it to you, you should understand that, okay, slow down. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. You don't have to right away. But I think what's more important than all that is to know how to express it and how to communicate it, how to be strong about what you think is important and what's right and express it in a very soft and gentle and understanding way. Instead of saying, I don't want to make him crazy and and, and then disagree and I think you're wrong, it doesn't have to turn into a debate. It's so much easier and simpler and healthier to tell someone, listen, you might be right. It could be it's not a terrible thing to do. I, I wish I could do it for you. I, I really don't feel comfortable about it. I hope you can understand me. I could be wrong. By telling someone that they could be right and you could be wrong, and it's not a debate and you're not here to prove yourself, and you still just don't feel comfortable and you'd appreciate it if they could be understanding of it and respectful of what it is that you do and don't feel comfortable doing, you know, I, I think that's very... Um, it's, it's very important. And when you communicate it the right way, even if somebody doesn't take it well on the spot, even if somebody says, well, I, w- I, would do it, I wouldn't do it for you, or whatever, whatever the answer is, as long as they heard that you're not challenging them, you're not fighting them, and you're respectfully um, sticking to your position and your ground, I, I think it's usually taken well in, you know, in, in the long run. And people learn that they can't trample over you, and people learn that you're not afraid of them, and it's very important. It's very important. And if you say it nicely, 
and you don't turn it into, well, that person also told me, and later he told me, and he asked me why I'm calling so many times. Stop proving yourself right. It just makes people get more defensive and more stuck and more hurt. And, and, and that's definitely not... Um, you know, and, and in general, um, these things turn so often into debates when it doesn't have to. Um, it, it's okay if you do your thing and I do my thing. You know, and there's so many situations. I know in this case it might not be the situation. You know, you know the, the boss and she doesn't, and it's a woman calling a man and whatever. It doesn't feel comfortable. I know. But in very many situations, there's nothing wrong with telling someone, listen, if you want to do this, you could do it. I don't feel comfortable. In other words, even though I don't feel comfortable doing it, and I don't even think it's right to do and if you ask me, I will, tell that, I will tell you that you should neither do it. But if you want to, I'll let you do it. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just trying to tell you what I'm not comfortable doing. And it's very important. Just recently I had this situation with Ingeman, who found himself in a shtickle pickle. Um, he was very unhappy with something that his wife wanted to do. And she was trying to impose it on him as well. He wasn't okay with it. And remembering a lot of the different things he heard from me, he was very careful to express as nice as he was able to and maybe he could have been doing it nicer um, I understand you I happen to think it's wrong if that's what works for you and that's what you feel comfortable doing I'm not going to get in your way for me it doesn't work and I'm not going along with this now she couldn't handle it and she didn't handle it and it turned into something very nasty but after the dust settled when you look back and you realize what happened it wasn't bad it wasn't bad he didn't hurt her he didn't control her he did express that he wasn't happy about it which is fine you're that expressed your your emotions and your opinions about things and if anyone feels that they can't do that often there's something wrong with not being able to not always do you have to but you should be able to express yourself and simply not going along with something that someone else wants especially when you allow them to do something you could get very angry if you're not wanting to go along with you but but you, you might just have to understand and it might be taken better as long as i'm making sure not to challenge you personally that I, I will still control what I want to do, even if I'm not able to control what you do, and I don't want to control what you do, but it's important to remember, I'm still a person, and, and my thoughts and feelings count. And very often when you do that, and you're very careful to make sure that you're only remaining strong about you and yourself, and your behaviors and your actions, your decisions, and nothing about the other person, very often in the long run it's taken well when people realize, you know, I can't push him around, he's not telling me what to do, he's not upset at me. So I think this is important to know how to... Sometimes you could, what I mean to say back here, sometimes you could tell, listen, if you feel comfortable and you think it's not nagging, you could try. I don't feel comfortable, I'm sorry. By showing someone that you are okay with them doing it, even though it's maybe inappropriate and it's not going to happen anyway, it's not practical, but that also makes it easier. It's not anymore a debate of, of right and wrong so much. So I think that's, that's very important. Another important point, and again, I don't want to get too, too hard on this situation. I'm happy that it's a thing of the past and that I'm talking about it a few months later. What happens is when you give in to manipulation like that, when you're really not comfortable with something. And I know in this case, some people listening to this might say, what's the big deal, make the phone call. But this is what I want to bring out now. Very often when somebody um, makes you do something, they're demanding something of you, which is wrong, inappropriate, uh, um, it's not their place to make the decision for you, and things like that. When, when you give in to it, for the sake of peace, for the sake of peace, right? it's all about shulam, vitr, mevatrzan. If you give in when you want to, and you have the choice, and you're doing it to promote peace, that's wonderful. It is. It's wonderful. I tell people all the time, be about to, don't make a big deal. Don't make a big deal. People hear this from me all the time. Your wife wants me, she wants to go Sunday, you want to go Monday, what's the big deal? Go. Let, let her feel good. Why not? Same thing with your husband. Whatever you can give in and make someone feel good, wonderful. Don't, don't be in action, don't be inflexible. It's the best thing you can do in, in, in your life, in your marriage. When somebody is demanding something of you, however, and you give in, it's a very, very different situation. Let's talk about kids for a minute, because that's where adults don't feel intimidated with this working against them. When your child tells you, 
It's Hanukkah, you owe me a present. You have to buy me this and this. I need this toy. Um, but which was bought you on. You just got something. No, but I need it now. This is what I need. If you don't get it to me, I'm not going to come to the Hanukkah party. The right thing for parents to do is not to buy it. Now, when you think about it, you know, really, maybe he does deserve it, he doesn't deserve it. If he's telling you, you have to buy it. And you're buying it because he told you you have to buy it. Even if you think that maybe he's right or wrong, you just got him used to demanding things and manipulating you and getting you to do what he wants. And that's not good. So it's better for him and for you when you show him that you're going to make the decision either because you'll think about it, you'll talk to mommy about it, you'll answer him in a week, whatever it is that shows him that you're just not afraid and, and, and you still are able to make your own decisions. It's so important for both of you. Now, sometimes people will say, well, I don't want him to feel deprived, neglected, he might take it wrong, he might uh, misinterpret and things like that. That's a very good point. He might. What do you do about that? A day later, go to the store and buy him something else. Not the thing that he demanded. It could be something even more expensive. Now, I know you have to be creative and make it work. My point is just that you know, he, he wanted a lolly. Tell him that he had enough lollies and there's no more lollies today. Later, buy him a huge snack and say that you came from a Vachnach and they had it and you're happy to bring it in for tomorrow. It could be more expensive, but it's not what he demanded. So it shows that I love you and it shows that I'm not intimidated, I'm not afraid of you. You're actually showing more love to someone by giving them something they didn't demand than by giving them something they did demand. Right? Because subconsciously he's realizing you only gave it to him because he demanded it, not because you love him. So even though he screams, if you would love him, you would give it to me, that's not what's showing you that you love him. So my point is just that when somebody's demanding something of you, it's important for both of you if you know how to respectfully say, listen, I wish I can go along with that. It's very hurtful, uh, you know, but I, I, I really want to. It's very harsh for me, blah, blah. And, and this is what I decided to do. So recently somebody was repeating to me a situation where, again, spouse A was telling spouse B that this is what we have to do. We have to go somewhere. And the response was that, you know, maybe it's not the right time, maybe we could discuss it, maybe we could figure out if it works, it doesn't work, because really I'm not comfortable, whatever. And when that didn't work, because spouse A didn't want to discuss it, so spouse A came up with a tactic. Listen, I'm going, and I'm going with the kids. And if you want, you can come along, if you don't want, you don't have to. Now, I don't know if that came from any kind of chachma, or somebody gave that advice, or it came from distorting chachma, about, okay, so I make my decision for me, not for you, right? Well, technically, you just made the decision for the kids as well, which is really not yours, but the point is... Spouse B, not to rock the boat, and this is so common, says, okay, 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 I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. So spouse B was just manipulated into doing something, but spouse B did it because I don't want to rock the boat. I know you don't want to rock the boat, but that's the point. Spouse A knew that you won't want to rock the boat. Spouse A did this because spouse A was relying on the fact that you don't want to rock the boat and knew that it's going to work. And if you show that it did work, and this works, then it's going to keep on happening. So my point is just that, you know, I don't want to make this into a federal case. You're talking about making a phone call, nagging a boss. It's not a big deal, I know. But the idea of manipulating someone into doing something or making them admit that they don't care for you, as well as the idea of, I better go do it or else, there's something wrong with these things. That's not how relationships work. Relationships work with communication and respect and flexibility and making place for each other and all that. Now, with all that said, let me try to be a little more creative here. And I'll tell you a, a few things. Number one is that there's often another option. And when people tell me situations like these where the only option is to have this babysitter. The only option. Now, I know sometimes there aren't more options. I know sometimes having a babysitter move in, it's not easy, I know. But sometimes there are more options. And I'm always very sensitive to, I always like pick up on that thing of, okay, so this is the only way we could do it. That's like the given. And now let's decide what we're going to do. Who said? Very often when you brainstorm or you're more creative, you your wife, both of you together, very many situations that seem like they really don't have a variety of options, 
Sometimes they do. And sometimes the one option that you both picked on or both believe in is not a difficult one that you can't reconcile, but you never know if there's other things you can do. And I don't mean it over here in this situation. I'm saying in general, I see people getting stuck on, so this is what has to happen. And now we get stuck on this one thing without realizing who said it had to happen. Maybe back up a little bit and, and broaden your options and your ideas. Um, so that's that. Number two is something I said before, and I want to say it again. If your wife is not demanding it of you, and your question to me is, should I make the call, should I not make the call? Even if the answer is that maybe it is called nagging, I might tell you, you know what, do it for your wife. I might say that. I'm only saying that it's not because someone's turning into a big case with a big manipulation, and now if you do it, it's just because somebody... That's where I was getting stuck. But I'm telling you clearly that even if I do think it's called nagging, and nobody likes when you nag, nobody likes when you bother them and pester them, um, it might sometimes be worth it. So I'm not saying that whoever has this feeling should never give in and never do it because sometimes you do things like that. And you do things that are even more difficult than that. And even things that are less batamt. And sometimes it's worth you know, making that person feel a drop uncomfortable you know, with whatever it is because you know, it's going to make everything happier at home. There's definitely a way of thinking like that. I'm not telling you not to. So your wife is trying to prove that you shouldn't be doing it. I'm telling you that you could. You know, sometimes it's worth it. That's another thing. Now there's another thing. There's one more point I want to mention, and this is hard for me to say publicly. Uh, if not for the fact that I repeated this question during the week to somebody, and he right away told me this also. So I feel like it wouldn't be honest for me to not say it. Okay, No pun intended with the honest. Um, I, I'm not sure why you're being so truthful. Now, I don't like teaching people to lie. I don't like teaching people to not be honest in relationships. Um, but the Torah and Chazal do teach us that you're allowed to distort a truth for the sake of peace. peace. And sometimes, um, if your wife says, did you call again? And you answer, um, I did, he didn't pick up a third time. You know, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely changing the truth. It is. But maybe that's the way to do things. Why are you being so truthful? Now, I don't feel comfortable saying this in public, and sometimes some people might have an issue with it. Oh, you're teaching my husband to lie to me. I'm not teaching anyone to do anything. I'm just mentioning that sometimes when you say too much truth, it causes a disagreement that could have been avoided without being so truthful. And that's exactly what Chazal is teaching us. It's okay to change the truth so that, the, so that you keep the peace. I just spoke about this this past week in Kamavasa. Um, you don't always have to say everything if it's going to cause a problem. You don't have to. That, uh, I think it's a famous quote from Surah Salanta about not asking forgiveness for somebody every Kippur if it's going to cause them to feel hurt because you now have to tell them, you know, I have to get forgiveness, right? It says in Shachnar, you have to get forgiveness. So I want to tell you, you know, really, I spoke bad about you. You know, I, I said a drusha with a thousand people there. I said bad things about you. You forgive me? You know how to do that because you're hurting the person now by asking forgiveness because I always feel, but I need forgiveness. I know you do, but you can hurt someone. My point is just that it's nice to be honest. It's good to be honest. It's wonderful to be honest and it's a problem when you're not honest. But if this honesty is causing a disagreement that's now causing this whole ruckus in the relationship and rocking the boat, then sometimes you just have to be a little more creative than that. Now, this is a joke that Malach just repeated he was about a, a roof in a dorf or shtetl. The roof was nifted, and his kids were fighting over the rabunas, who's more, who should be the roof. Each one, you know, I should be the rabbi, he should be the rabbi, which one's more competent, which one has more followers, and became a whole politics. And the poor, it's in dorf, the one who's in charge, um, the mayor, let's call it, he decided that he heard what's going on, everyone's fighting around, he's going to decide. How are you going to decide? Well, he's going to see who's more capable of being the roof. Hagen sees more capable. Okay, so he said that he's going he's gonna to give the faher, he's going to test them to see who's more capable of being roof. 
he takes out a siddur and he opens up. He says, "Listen, I'm gonna let you both you read from it. I'm see who who reads more fluent, who's better at it." Okay. So the first one, the first son, the younger son, he opens the siddur and randomly it opened to Asher Yishev Vaseichu. No, a mechaya. And wow, so fluent. That's amazing. He's he's a rabbi. So then he calls the second son. He opens again, random, and to his mazel, it opened up to the yotzes in, in Shabbosuchar. Now I can say it as fast as Rav Motcha did, but um, he he starts reading and, and he was getting a little stuck on the words, and they put it so right away. Listen, you know you can't read you can't read well. Of course, you're not the rabbi. And inside the other one is the older brother turns to the young one later and tells him, you know, you have some mazel. You know, you open to Asher, and it's not fear. Look, I got this hard thing to say, and that's why I lost this whole thing. He said, listen. You had a siddur in your hands. You could have said Ashir Shavaseichu. The Buddhists wouldn't know. Who told you not to say it? You could have looked inside and said Ashir and he would have, he would have, he would have said you that you're the rule. You didn't do that. That's your mistake. Now, when you think about it, it's so often you have the ability to say the right thing and you don't, and then it causes a problem. So when you have asked, could you call again? Instead of saying no, I can't or no, I didn't, be creative sometimes and say something that might make her feel good without nagging someone. Now I'm saying it again. I feel very uncomfortable saying this in public. But very often, that's what's going to help you. That's what you should be doing. There are people that do this often. There are people that do this too often. There are people that do this too often. I spoke about Akamavasa, about a guy who was telling me he, he couldn't say a straight word. Everything his wife asked him was lies and lies and lies. And he was good at it. His wife didn't catch him, but it, it caused his whole life to go haywire. He wasn't truthful to himself, to anyone. That was a problem. Now, on the other hand, he's so truthful that he can't even say a compliment if he doesn't mean it. You have to find balance and you have to know how to help a relationship and, and, and when not to be too honest and when not to hurt yourself by saying something that shouldn't be said and not everything has to be shared and you're allowed to have your privacy and your individuality. So I'm just ending off, man, what we started with. You know, it, it's good to be able to reconcile things that look contradictory. You want to care for someone, you want to love someone, you want to make sure they know it. And you want to care and love for yourself and make sure that they know it as well. And you want to make it work together and try your best to communicate in a healthy way, in, without debating, without hurting people, but being strong, being confident, knowing what it is that you want, and, and not being overtaken by every demand and every request and every manipulation. And for all those on the other side, you know, it's okay to let people breathe and let people be, and not try to dictate to them and control them and, and make their decisions for them. I mean, I have yourself with the proper respect and the right understanding and the right uh, communication about all this. You know, I think this is definitely something that can promote living together peacefully when there are disagreements and are differences of opinion and we could all you know take this the right way and live in the house of